The goal, explain the 1990s in exactly 60 songs. The result, we did it. I'm Rob Arvilla. I host 60 songs that explain the 90s, which has indeed covered 60 fantastic songs thus far from Tupac to Radiohead to TLC. So let's do 30 more. Let's do 90 songs. No, we're not changing the name. More rad songs, more special guests, more astute critical analysis, more loopy nostalgic exuberance. That's 60 songs that explain the 90s every Wednesday only on Spotify. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Real ones. Logan Murdoch here, Raja Bell. This is Real Ones After Dark. Raja is off that dark. It's going to be an interesting show. Ra, how you doing, buddy? I'm tired. But I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Hey, you know what? I, I am tired. This That's no bullshit. Listen, man, it is... What time is it here? It's, it's 12.44. I'm not going to front, man. Like, at 40... What am I? 45? Am I 46? I don't even know. You stop counting after a while. But... <laughs> there are very few reasons. There are very few reasons on the regular that I would see past eleven thirty. So when you ask me how I'm doing at twelve forty four after a few, like, yeah, I'm tired. We are talking to you guys and gals, whatever your pronoun is. We are talking to you right now after the Warriors beat the Grizzlies in Game Four of the semifinals. Raja, just before we get into the finish of that game, can you just tell me overall what you felt about the quality of the game? What was the? It was a shit game. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, hey, this is going to be a relatively quick pod. That was a shit game. It was played shittily. Um, It it had. There are certain games that you have to win. Yes, the Grizzlies had to win that game. Golden State came out and just. They looked sloppy from the jump. First few mm-hmm. possessions, turnover after turnover after turnover after turnover. Quick threes weren't going in. Like, and you you had the lead through, I mean, 97.8, 98.5% of the game. You have to win that game if you're Memphis, even without John Morant. Yeah. And they didn't do it. But overall, generally speaking, it was a poorly played game. Yeah. 
I, I was I was there for the first half, and it you know it felt it had the energy of a January a back to back in January four games and five nights type game where just just shots are just not going in. They I think the Warriors started off zero for twelve from three point range. The Grizzlies weren't any better. It was just. It was just, just a very, very, very just off game. And then the Grizzlies take the lead. And Raja, I have to say, I feel vindicated. I feel very vindicated right now. Because while the Memphis Grizzlies, we are big fans over here, the Memphis Grizzlies, huge fans of what they got going and what they're building. But I think they've showed time and time again that they are not ready for this stage. They're not ready for it. The reason why I say that had leads down the stretches or had chances to win down the stretches of every single game but game three. Had control of games in three of the four games of which the Warriors, three or four games, the Warriors have just played like absolute shit and somehow have had a chance to or have won the game. I look at down the stretch of this game, Raja, and I see the Grizzlies up by 12 with about eight minutes left in the, in the, um, in the fourth quarter. Veteran teams, they win those games. Championship team, not veteran teams, championship teams win those games. You have a team on the ropes, on the road. You're down 2-1. You have to have this game. You got to make stops. And the shots that they got, Raja, the Jaron Jackson three in the final minute, Raja. You can't get a better look than that? Yeah. Uh, Jaron Jackson had one. Um, Dylan, Dylan Brooks had one. They shoot some very untimely, poor choice shots down the stretch. Um, and it's funny, when shot when shots go in like that, everybody thinks it's brilliant. You're like, oh my God, yes, they can play fast. This is what they do. But, you know, shot selection is is an art. And good teams have, they know when to shoot those shots. They have good shot selection. They know time and score and situation. And sometimes... That shot isn't the one that we need to shoot. That quick three coming down just because it's there. Multiple times tonight, it wasn't even there. They just came down and without a pass in an ISO situation, pulled a contested three. Like those are, those are not shots that are going to preserve wins for you. So, you know, I often get on here and would argue the counterpoint to your point, but I can't do that because they do have possessions and it's it's been over the course of the series where You've got an opportunity to win this game, but we've got to be dialed in and we've got to have good possessions. And they fumbled the bag in that regard multiple times. Was there ever a time down the stretch where you thought, hey, the Memphis Grizzlies have this game in the bag? No. We're about to go back Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Well, you know, a few things. Um, You know, when you're playing a team like Golden State who can just pop off and, and, you know, Steph can get hot, Clay can knock one down, uh, uh, Jordan Poole can get hot. Like those... Those type of things always make one feel like they would be in a game, right? Especially with when you're within six, seven, eight with two minutes to go. But the overall and overriding reason why I didn't feel like they had it in the bag was because they have those loose possessions. And, you know, I think Jimmy Jackson on the broadcast, uh, shout out to JJ, um, said something about hero ball on one of the shots by Dylan Brooks. Like, I, you know, I'm not going to get into calling it hero ball or not, but it was certainly not a good shot. And it, and it did it felt like you felt as the player shooting it that you had to be the one to save the day. And I guess that's the definition of that. But you should have just trusted your offense, moved the ball, you know, got through your actions. And generally speaking, you would have probably got yourself a, a, a better shot. I want to get into the John Morant absence in a bit. But 
I don't think this is just the fact that, oh, we don't have John Moran on the floor. You know, we, we're out of sorts because John Moran is all, all, not on the floor. This team is unorganized down the stretch, even when he is on the floor. It's just so erratic. You kind of saw it in the Minnesota series where they were just really erratic down the stretch, but they were just a better team than the Minnesota Timberwolves ultimately, and so they can get away with a lot of that stuff. Against this team, I think they – I don't know if they're better at this point. I think they're more athletic. I think they're more talented. But I think when you see over the course of this series and why I said in the beginning of, this, of the postseason why they, I think they're about a year away is because they need a lot of those lessons down the stretch. And that's just built with time – um, with just much overall maturity. I don't think this team is mature as it needs to be to win a title. I think they're, you know, maybe need another vet in that locker room, just, you know, being around them for a little bit. But you could kind of see that they're just taking their lumps right now. And that's okay. And I think that that's where we're headed right now. It's going to be a fun time, game five in Memphis. But I don't know, man. I think this series is, is if it keeps going this way, it's pretty much over. What you think? Uh, I, I agree with you on what you said. You're talking about youth versus experience. Youth being the Grizzlies, um, having a lot of young players being in these situations for the first or second time. And also, you know, all, again, we talk about this kind of wanting to be the guy in that situation, right? And so, you know, you get people stepping on toes, people shooting shots out of turn, certain things rear their heads at the wrong time. I don't know what John Morant's health is. John Morant's health is going to determine whether or not this series has any any legs when he goes back to Memphis or not. If he goes back to Memphis and John Morant's healthy, I could see them winning a game um and and forcing a game a game 6 would that be at that point? But yep. but uh if he's not healthy, yeah, I imagine you're right. I imagine this is a five game series and Golden State figures out a way to pull it out. They played I don't mean any disrespect. I'm a huge Golden State fan. They played poorly. It was an ugly game. There were tons of turnovers, poor shooting. Um they just looked like they they looked like they came out thinking that since John Morant wasn't there, this was going to be kind of cake. And they mm-hmm. they weren't as laser-focused as they needed to be in that scenario. And they still got the dub. That's why I said Memphis, there are games you have to win. Memphis had to win that game. Here's another dirty little secret. The Warriors have played like shit all series. They played terrible all series. And they just made a couple... If you look, at, I think if you look at the totality of this series, they, they've been outplayed in a lot of stretches other than game three. Game three is the anomaly game, right? They just... they. They, everything clicked for that on that game. But if I look at most of the series, they have not played well. They have thrown the ball away so many times against this athletic uh, Grizzlies defense, and it doesn't matter. Where do you see the Warriors right now? Even though that they're, we know like they're probably, that's an interesting question, right? What are the Warriors going to be? And we're going to talk about your Phoenix Suns later and the and who the, who the Warriors would face if they go to the Western Conference Finals. But where do you see the Warriors right now? Yeah, that's, that is a very interesting question. Um, if the Warriors were to play loose with that ball the way they played throughout this series, they're, they're not winning a championship. You can't, you can't do that. Sniffing. They're not, no, no, you're not. Yeah. Um, the, the only thing they have going for them in the Western Conference right now is that all teams look beatable in the Western Conference right now. Mm-hmm. They, they all have real flaws. And, you know, we'll, again, we'll get into the Phoenix series, but you see them getting pushed by a team that, you know, kudos to the to the Mavs and Sasha Mack for, you know, being a Mavs uh, uh, ride or die, I guess. But like, I didn't see the Mavs being able to push Phoenix like that. So, but th- that's what Golden State has going for them. They, they're not playing great. And they're not and turning the ball over. But the Western Conference teams that are still alive all seem to have 
kind of lost their mojo, so to speak, a little bit. So I think I want to get into this. I've been meaning to ask you this. Since we last spoke, Gary Payton has gotten injured, which was a gruesome injury. Hopefully he recovers. Um, he hurt, injured his, dislocated his elbow on a Dylan Brooks play, trying to go, I think it was going for a layup or he was going for a block. One of those things dislocates his uh, elbow. And then you see another play with Jordan Poole and um, Ja. Two injuries that have have immense ramifications on this series. So when Jordan Poole, I want to get your take on both plays. When Jordan Poole pulls, it seems like he's pulling Ja Morant's knee in a defensive uh, in a defensive stance, and then you see the Dylan Brooks play where it seems like he's pushing. He pushes. Um, GP two and he dislocates his elbow. Is there how? Let's compare and contrast this. Is it is one play dirty and another play not dirty? What what did you see on those two plays, Rob? Oh, you yeah, because you're the guy you that love asked. to do this. I've you been, love I've to been do meaning this to ask you this because you are the guy to ask for this. You love to do this. Um, the Jordan. Okay, no, let's go back to the was it Dylan? Was it the Dylan Brooks on Gary Payton Jr. Second. Yeah, or the second? Um. Of the two plays, the dirtier of the two, for sure. You know me, Logan. You're flying down the court. It's playoff basketball. Oh, my gosh. You're, you're coming in, trying to take a swing at the ball. But you hit him in the head. And the tenor of the series, like, I'll give you that. Dirty play. Um, but, I mean, he didn't tackle him. He swung. <laughs> I knew you were going to do this. He swung. I knew you were going to do this. He swung. I knew he hit him in the head. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I missed. Sorry. And I'm sorry you got hurt. Like, I don't mean any disrespect. I don't know. I'm trying to hurt you, but shit is what it is. But yeah, the dirtier of the two. I don't think the Jordan Poole play was dirty at all. I, I thought that, first of all, let's, let me, let me, before I get into that, if someone wants to hurt someone, <laughs> they're not going to grab said person by the knee. Yeah. And yeah. shake it. That's, that's not, not going to hurt dis- the knee, though. Not the but way that's you not dis- going to hurt your knee. Of the things that you could do in, in, to hurt someone, that would never pop into someone's head. Hey, let me grab his knee and shake it. It doesn't happen like that. So I, I, what I saw was like, yes, if you, if you slow that down and you break it down frame by frame, it looks like he made a conscious decision to kind of grab his knee and pull it. But he did. Uh, he would just smack the ball right before that. So if you played at real speed, he smacked the ball. And it looks like he was just in there like grabbing back and he grabbed his knee. And that is what it is. But again, if you were going to play, make a dirty play on someone and try to hurt them, grabbing the knee is not the, the play to make. So I don't, I don't think that was dirty. Unfortunate for sure, but not dirty. And again, the Dylan Brooks, yeah, the dirtier of the two plays. But there's a world that that I played in where... I mean, sure, like there, there are ramifications. You're going to get a flagrant and stuff like that, but layups. it wasn't even called a flagrant on. The, I'm talking about the Jordan Poole, and it wasn't even called a flagrant on the floor. It wasn't called no, anything on the floor. That's ridiculous. That one was ridiculous. I'm not even going to like. We shouldn't even be talking about that. Anyone saying okay. that was anyone in Memphis? I, I'm sorry, Memphis. Well, I don't know if you were on the Twitter sphere, Raja. I don't know no, if you were locked in on the, on the on the Twitter. You were in the gym all some. I mean, all all weekend. I don't think you were true. Ja, and this is, goes to like the maturity aspect of it, but. After the game, in the hours after the game, John Morant goes, tweets out the video of the play and says that Jordan Poole broke the code. Oh, the code, the Steve Kerr code? <laughs> the, co- the code, just the code in general. Code, you just, I don't, I, And it's just interesting, just the tenor of the series because social, the aspect of social media in this. And I remember being, you know, after that game and 
we didn't even know the play happened, first of all. We didn't even know, like, it wasn't even a big deal. Right. And then he sends that tweet off. Like, what do we... I don't... I think there was some emotions running high, and he did it because he ended up deleting it. But what do you do in that scenario? Are you a guy... What do you think if you was in this... Uh, in this in this era, you'd be tweeting, you'd be popping off at the mouth, and you'd be on the Instagram live right at the end. Is that something that you would do? No, that's not my. That's not. That's never been my style. I don't. I don't think I would be. I don't think I would be venting my frustrations on uh, on Instagram or or Twitter or what have you. I, I. But I can understand if you've been raised in the generation of people with access to it, how you would think that that's the platform to vent your frustrations. I've also said. I've always said, like forever. That if I were a player, I would subscribe to like the no Twitter for 24 hours rule after a, after a game, especially a heated one, especially one where the outcome wasn't what I wanted or something like that might have transpired. Like, I, I, I think you need to let that breathe, right? Because throwing, throwing shit out there to the world at your most, you know, sometimes your worst moments and definitely you know, some your most vulnerable moment. Like, I don't think that's a great idea, right? You got a lot of emotions flying through your body. Like, you you, you just came off adrenaline coursing. You, you're injured. You don't think you're going to play anymore. Do not reach for the phone and shoot out a tweet. Yeah. I think, I still believe, and I think that um, the Grizzlies are going to be a team. I think they're learning a lot of hard lessons during this postseason. And I they need some. They need some. They need. Some, they need to supplement that core, though, Logan. They need to supplement that with some. They need some vets. Who do they need? Who Who do you think they would need? Like, what is the type of player they need on their team? Oh, the type of player, um, a, a Jay Crowder type of player. I'm not saying Jay Crowder as as the name they need to go get, right? But like those type players that have been on playoff teams over and over again, right? Whatever position they decide that is, whether it's a big wing, a small wing, a, a backup PG, a big, I don't know. But they need those type of players, guys that can add to to that experience level when you get into the playoffs, that calming influence in the locker room or in the huddle to, to help with the situations that we're talking about. They need more pieces like that. They got great young talent. Now mm-hmm. it's time to figure out what pieces can work around some of that young talent to help expedite the maturing process. That's why if they, if they look across the court and they see Steph and Draymond and Clay. If the Grizzlies were to do that, what they wouldn't see is the Andre Iguodala's, the Sean Livingston, and the David West that kind of make that made that happen. If they can get some guys like that into the locker room, they're going to be a force. But it just seems like just a whole bunch of just kids right now. And I think they'll be fine. This is going to be an important summer for them, though, for sure. For sure. If they take that next step. Um, and I'm curious to see what they do, man. I I, I not writing off the Grizzlies completely. Just, you know, might not be their year. I, th- I really love them. Real ones. Um, let's take a quick break. And we're going to talk about someone we haven't talked about in a while. No sweat, same game parlay each week. $20 in free bets if you don't win. The playoffs are heating up, and you can make every game feel like Game 7 on FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA. Throughout the playoffs, all customers can place a no-sweat same-game parlay each week. You'll get up to $20 in free bets if you don't win. FanDuel has so many ways to play. And best of all, when you do win, you'll get paid faster than a fast break. With the series tied up 2-2, I want to build a same-game parlay for the Heat 76ers game. We're at home in Miami, so I really feel like another big game from Jimmy Butler is on the horizon. I'm going to take the Heat money line. 
And I'm going to go out on a limb and take Jimmy Butler to score 35 or more points. He had 40 in game four, so let's see if he could do it again. This has been a relatively low-scoring series, so I'm going to take the under on the away team points and the over on the home team total points. New to FanDuel? Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code RINGERNBA. Once again, that's promo code RINGERNBA. And if you already have an account, you're all set to bet. No sweat. Either way, you'll get up to $20 in free bets if your same-game parlay during the playoffs doesn't win. FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max free bet $20 per week. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problems? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com backslash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat, Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT-INDIANA, 1-877-770-STOP, Louisiana, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369, New York. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789, Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. And we are back. You know who we're going to talk about, Raja? Do you have a, do you have a guess who we're going to talk about? Uh, no, you tell me, Logan. Who are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about Giannis. Oh, Giannis. Okay. What was, yeah, he third yeah, yeah. In, was he third in the MVP voting? Was that where he finished? Yeah. yeah. Um, Jokic was my pick, and he's going to win the MVP. Are you are you cool with that? Or are you? Is it? I mean, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. Jokic had a Jok- great year. Joel Embiid should have been the MVP. I'm not going to sit here and cry Jokic about got that about Dirk it. that that Dirk MVP. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> 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 I'm not going to beef. I know. Listen, analytically speaking, like the, I get it. That's where it's at, and I don't. I'm not the most analytically driven person. I understand a lot of voters are into that, but. I think Joel Embiid deserved the MVP. Sue me. Are you? Are you a guy? Okay, we're going to talk about Giannis in a second. But you, you brought up a big point right here. Are you a guy that like? Is it eye test involved too? What goes into your? What is Embiid over? Because you kind of got, kind of got a little mm, in you right there when it came to analytics. What What do you take into account when it's MVP? Well, they just don't tell the whole. They just don't tell the whole story. I mean, I, I'm I'm an eye test plus analytics guy. Like I, so I I can, I can understand, and appreciate the place that analytics have even, you know, use them to support an argument or to debunk one. But I don't think they tell the whole story. I think you pair them with the eye test and use them for what I just said, either to support what your eyes are telling you or something other than what your eyes are telling you. And then you got to dig a little deeper, but I just, I'm not one of those guys that just is looking at numbers and analytics. And I don't think they just tell the whole story. And so I think, you know, Joel Embiid over the course of this this year and what he was able to do. I just think, I think he was the MVP, man. I don't know. Like you want me to, uh, but I, I don't have a beef with Jokic getting it. He was great. And he was down two stars and, or two of his best players. And he was fantastic. He had great numbers too. I just think Joel Embiid deserved it this year. Well, Raju, I don't know if the, I know, I don't know if the MVP is an analytics award. I don't even know if it's an eye test award. I think it's a narrative award yeah. to be quite honest with you. If you could sell a story of an MVP, you'll do it. That's it's just I, I think that we've seen that time and time again. You kind of know who's going to be the MVP 
based on if you look at the coverage of the league, the MVP ladders of all publications, it it, it kind of drives our perception of what an MVP is. And Jokic had that all season. It just is what it is. Now back to Giannis. I was watching the series when I, I, I it's, this series against the, this Buck Celtics series is just a hard series to kind of get a gauge on because the first game I'm thinking, oh shit, the Bucks are going to sweep. They're going to win in five. If you go back into the last episode of the podcast, we're basically saying, oh yeah, they're going to the next round. We'll see. We'll see the Bucks in the West in the Eastern Conference Finals. But Giannis had a great had one great game playing as good as he can throughout the series. But this Bucks team is always hard to figure out because you never know who that second star is going to be. And I know, I know um, Chris Middleton is out, which means the onus to be a second. All, like, what I've learned this whole this series is that Giannis just needs a second star. That's all he needs. He doesn't need, enough, he doesn't need two stars. He doesn't, he, we don't need a big three in Milwaukee. He just needs a serviceable number two. With Middleton out, there are some nights where he could just have a Giannis game and he can go get a game for you. But he needs help from his supporting cast, man. Oh, you're you're right. But that's not just Giannis. That's that's the that's the Celtics, right? Like it's either got to be Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, or on a night like tonight, it's got to be Jason Tatum and Al Horford giving you a 30 ball. Like you you have also shout out Al Horford. Oh, uh, shout out to Al hold Horford. it down for the OGs, bro. 15 year vet. Absolutely. And this is just just the opposite of the game we talked about a minute ago where I said if you were Memphis you had to win that game and you didn't if you're Boston you got to win this game Al Horford gives you a 30 ball you got to win that right you get 30 from Chase Tatum and Al Horford you got to figure out a way to win the game and they did and so I agree with you this is a really hard one to put your finger on and you hit the nail on the head with Chris Middleton in his absence it puts Drew Holiday in having to be a number two I, I love Drew Holiday. I've, I've, I've talked about that before. I think he's a, a really, really, really good player. I think he's an all-star. Um, I don't believe him to be a true number two on a championship winning team because of his inconsistencies. He shoots mm-hmm. some erratic shots. He, come, he, he, he is an interesting player for me to watch, Logan, because I will often, more so than a lot of other players, watch him come down and get into some kind of action it just looks like it's not within the flow of the offense. He just looks like he's out there on his own. You're like, oh shit, he just, why did he just, oh, okay, good bucket. Good, good for you. You know, like, oh, like it's just <laughs> out of the blue. You're like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. And when it's working, it's great. And when it's not, you know, he's five for 22 tonight and he, and he gave him very little. He's great defensively, but they needed another option. When you were an ISO, when you're ISO like Giannis is, and like Drew Holiday is, and one of them is really inconsistent. You need that third ISO score, and Chris Middleton is a bucket, and they just don't they don't have it. And so then the the question becomes, where are you going to get it from? And I would contest that without Chris Middleton, they got to move the ball. And I know how stupid it sounds because Giannis is so dominant, but they got to move the ball. They got to move yeah. it. They got to get other people opportunities to play with Giannis. He's still going to get his. He's too good not to. But that ball's got a damn move. Um, the Celtics, the, the Celtics aren't the Celtics are physical, man. They're there to fight. They were, I mean, they got out rebounded tonight on the offensive glass for sure, but they were they were down there, they were digging out rebounds, they were boxing, they were physical, they were bodies on, and they got point production from 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 two people. They got over 30 from two people. You're gonna win that game, or you should. Hey, how you feel about low? The physicality in all in this postseason has been palpable. How have you how have you felt about the physicality? <laughs> I love it. It seems like it's back. It's not no no soft shit. We're back. 
I just allow me to make this a running theme for the playoffs. Why does it only have to be the playoffs? I don't understand. You have to explain that to me. You have to explain to me why we we can't see like I don't understand. I don't understand why, why, why the why the whistle has to change, and now we see this physical brand of basketball. And then through the course of '82, we're like, nah, nah, everything's going to be a foul. We want the scoring up into the 130s per game. But I don't want the 130s. Bro. I want I want to see some compelling basketball, bro. I, if it's if that means 101 to 98, I'm cool with it. I don't need 140 to 135. So, somebody thinks we need it because that's what we get. And maybe you're going to tell me, hey, man, we can't have them playing at this level of physicality over the course of 82 because there's going to be too many injuries. It's going to be too physically demanding. On And to that, I would say, okay, explain it to me. I appreciate it. Um, But I just, you know, I'm I'm here for it. I like to see these boys banging. I like to see the... I I like to see... that old school shit. Yeah, they're getting after it. It's funny. I want to... You talk about Middleton, and I'll get to the subject in a second. You talk about Middleton and Holiday. In my eyes, this is no disrespect. This is no disrespect. I think both are overqualified threes. Third, if they're the third best player on your team, both of them, they're good. They're really good players. They can be number twos in spurts for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've seen that in the finals on both guys. But it's just, I watched that game, and when if Drew Holiday is not cooking, man, they just built a wall. The Celtics just built a wall around the paint, and it was just, it was especially down the stretch of that game. It was just. It was hard to watch, and then the Bucks' uh, offense just gets ugly and muttered and just nasty. It's not a good. T- it's not good basketball to watch, man. I've said this before. I said it last year. Uh, I I think I got some kick, like some 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 people getting after me because of it. Because oh Lord, we can't post anyone anymore. Like that can't happen. That's that won't. But you've got fucking Marcus Smart guarding Brooke Lopez. What in the actual fuck? <laughs> well, I mean, we can't get that man a touch, dog. Like, in a world where we got one person that can Bro, play Brooke make. Lopez literally took the books to the finals last year. I know. I synced it. I synced it. Come on, man. Like, in a world where Giannis has to go, to your point, against three people at the top. It's basically a one-two-two zone when he's got it at the top of the key. It's his man and two wing defenders just sitting in his lap. But and there Can goes, I just say something real quick? I, bro? Just, I don't just, understand. It's, it's unrelated to this series, but I'm so sick and tired of seeing big men shoot threes. Get your ass in the post, okay? I just watched the whole... I'm sorry. I just watched the whole series so far of Jaron Jackson shooting nothing but threes. And not getting any rebounds. Oh, I hear you, bro. Oh, you hear me? Wait, Do you, wait, I'm sorry. You, it's a quick tangent. Can we just go? Let's go here. Let's go there. You remember the episode? Um, we had we had Verno on in the episode, and I I I said that, and he was he got he got on me a little bit <laughs> about that. But I'm with you, hey, dog. I'm hey, gonna tell on, you another quick. Verno, tell you, Verno. Huh? lock in, Verno. Lock, come on, lock we, in, dog. We, just lock in. Show ass in that paint, man. Hey, listen, <laughs> Giannis is another one. You every time Giannis shoots a three, unless I hope that he continues to round out his game. The mid range is looking good, the free throws are looking good. You know, you keep adding to your game. But as of right now, when he shoots a three, it is a exhale collectively from the Celtics. Every time you do that, they exhale. They get the ball back without doing any work. Roger, Does that make I sense? You just, to you, just, I know you're you, talking about it's the Celtics. A turnover. I, Roger, I know it's you're talking about the turnover. Celtics and the Bucks right now. I'm sorry. I'll just pull up the stats for Jaron Jackson Jr. because I just really I just wanted to make sure that I was good. Game three of the West semifinals, he was four of thirteen. 
You know where all four of his buckets came from? Beyond the arc. I... You know how many rebounds he came down with, Raja? In the past two games, you know how many rebounds he's had over, combined? Over a course of two games? Over a course of two games. You know how many rebounds Eight. he's had combined? Eight rebounds. <laughs> Raja. Raja. <laughs> come on, man. Raja. I'm sorry. We're going to talk about Giannis. We're going to talk about... We could, I'm just sorry. I just... Raja. Yeah, Giannis doesn't have those problems. Like, Giannis had, no, fit, no, Giannis no. had 15 of them. Like, uh, you're preaching to the choir. I. But what <laughs> analytics people are going to tell you are is that he is great, a great rim protector, right? He's a great rim protector. And the reason he doesn't rebound is because of his ability to stretch the floor, create the space that John Morant and everyone else needs, and knock down the three at whatever percentage it is that he knocks down. And you and I are just going to have to live with that, apparently. The Warriors are a very small basketball team, and they have out-rebounded. I have to look at the last game or this game, but they have rebounded. I rebounded the Grizzlies every game in the series. I just think I just think that it doesn't have to be feast or famine, right? And that's essentially what I'm saying. And let me go back to the Bucks. I'm Great not saying, brother. Thank you. I'm not saying that you take the ball out of Giannis's hands and not let him cook and not let him ISO. I'm saying that we can. There, basketball is a game of flow, man. There's a lot. There are a lot of minutes in a basketball game. You know, Giannis is off the floor. Let's play through some of these. These people who have mismatches maybe on the post with Boston doesn't have the, the size with Robert Williams out. Let's let's figure out how to kind of attack some of these switches. Again, we've got Marcus Smart on either Bobby Portis or Brooke Lopez. Um, I'm going to that. Like Giannis's man can double if Giannis is floating at the three-point line. Just dive his big ass to the rim. Like we don't have to just it doesn't have to be feast or famine. Ra, whatever happened to, I know we're like, we, we're in love with emotion offense. We love shooting. Whatever happened to, fuck the play call. I see a mismatch. Everybody get out of the way. I'm going to throw it to him. What happened to that offense? Where, where did that go? Some some teams still do it. Some teams some teams still, I mean, I think you see Brooklyn a lot. Like when, when they get the switch they want, um, they'll put it. And KD is a prime example. He's probably best scorer on the planet, pure scorer on the planet, right? Mm-hmm. Um KD doesn't just have the ball at the top of the key, dancing on it, right? Like KD gets no. a lot of touches where he's able to score off of a live dribble, meaning like he hasn't used it yet. He's got you in that mid post area or around that elbow. He can one dribble into a pull up or get to the rim in one dribble. They were using Giannis like that a little bit in the last two games. I'd like to see them do more of that, but I'd also like to see him involve other people. So to answer your question, Logan, I, I don't know where it's going. Some teams still do it, um, but but these teams with you know, all this spread out motion, we're, we're rolling into it. We're, 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 we're all creators off the bounce. Like, it's just different for me. I'm not complaining about it in terms of, in terms of the way the games change. I just think there's a time and a place, and especially in a seven game series, when these mismatches keep presenting themselves, where you have to figure out how to attack that, especially when you're missing a huge piece like Chris Middleton offensively. I have no gauge on this series. I had no idea what's going to happen. Raja, do you have any idea what's going to happen? I really I don't. Feel like it's going. It could go seven. It could go six. I have no clue what's going to happen in this series. I have no idea. I have no idea. I can make a case for both teams, uh, and why they should be three-one right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Let's take a quick break, and it's time for predictions. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two for $5 chicken wraps from Arby's come in. 
available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two for five dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. And we are back. Let's get on the prediction bag, talk some of the Tuesday, Tuesday slates, you know, doing the robot. We're here. Uh-huh, we're here. Um, first uh, matchup of Tuesday night is, a, is game five of another series. I have no idea. I have no pulse on this series whatsoever. This is Sixers heat. Oh. Tie 2-2. Joel Embiid is back. But you know who else is back, Roger? Tell him who's James back, Harden. James, James Harden. James Harden. Guess who's back? Back again, James Harden. Do you do, do you trust this? Are you ready to? Are, are you nope. trusting? No. Nope. Okay. But you know what I trust? I trust that James Harden changed the math for the Miami Heat defensively, mm. and the and the space that's created by him offensively is going to allow not only James Harden but other people opportunity to eat a little easier than they were without him. I also trust that he has secured their defense in a way that it hadn't been secured in his absence. Like he doesn't get the credit for being the defensive presence that he is, but he is a very good defender, you know, in and around that rim as well. Right. He's you're talking big, about James Harden. No, I'm talking about Joel Embiid. Oh, okay. Cause we just, okay. All right. My bad. Okay. You didn't know, right. but I said Joel Embiid has changed the math for this, for the Joel Embiid for the heat okay. defensively. Yes. And he's also fortified their defense. So while I don't know that James Harden is going to give you what he gave you, I think the math has changed on the heat. Now, what I imagine is the heat go home and they start to shoot the ball better. They've just shot it. I mean, I think they're the best shooting team in the NBA this year from th- from three or something like that. I don't know. But they've been terrible over the last two games. They're going to shoot the ball better. So I-, I think the heat win the next game. Okay. I'm going to go with, the- I'm going to, you know what? You know what? You know what? Mm-mm. Fuck that. Mm-mm. I have no rhyme or reason for this. I have none. I'm going to pick the Sixers. Oh. I'm going to pick the Sixers. <laughs> James Harden redemption game. Another one in Miami. So if, if James Harden is going to be, he doesn't have to be that, but if he's close to that and Joel Embiid just steadily gives you the 24 and 12, yeah, I'm with you, but I don't know. I don't trust it yet. I got to see it again. All right, man. I want to talk about your Phoenix Suns, bro. Let's just let's get right mm. to it. Let's just get right into it. This is going to be a little discussion here. So I don't know how to read the Phoenix Suns because especially in this series and at times in the first series, in the first round series, they have looked dominant. Like they are a machine a force. And especially throughout in the onset of this series, I thought they were going to sweep. I thought that I didn't think the Mavs had anything for them. Mikael Bridges was balling. Chris Paul was balling. Seemed like Devin Booker was back in the flow. And the Suns seem like when they're on, they're on, and there's no middle ground. What have you seen from the Suns, man? Chris Paul's played two shitty games. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, 
Chris Paul would tell you he played two shitty games. I, I, I firmly believe that Chris Paul will turn around and play a fantastic game going back to Phoenix. And I think it's, it's not as simple as that, but that's a huge part of Phoenix not looking like themselves. It's just Chris Paul hasn't been good. Um, now, Dallas has played really well around Luka. You know, Luka, Luka is, is moving the ball enough to get people involved. They've shot it really well. And combining that with Chris Paul not playing well, and that's what you get. Dallas is just one of those scrappy teams. I, I think Phoenix is going to be fine. I have my eye on Chris Paul, Ra, because there are times where he plays brilliant, like he did in New Orleans to close out that series. Mm-hmm. There are other times where he reminds you that he's 37 years old. You know what I'm saying? Where sure. there's times where, where in a first half of a playoff series, he is gassed. And I know he's gassed because he has his hands on his knees, not barely gets to the locker room, but he's not. He's he's just not moving well. He's tired. He's he's there. I don't know what what kind of Chris Paul I'm going to get on a day in and day out basis. I know he's great. I know he's amazing, but I, he does show his age. I don't know if that is that. Am I am I reading too into this? I mean, we're in the yeah. second round of the postseason. Yeah, man. Chris Paul's going to be fine. Phoenix Suns are going to okay. be fine. He's going to be fine. No, okay. I mean he is 37. Like so, you know, there may be the the odd night here or there where. He doesn't have it like he's supposed to have it, but it rarely looks the way it did the last two games. It, it rarely ever looks the way it looked the last game. And two games in a row, it's an anomaly. And so I just can't see him hitting a wall at this point in a season, in whatever year this is for him. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't see it. I don't buy that. I think the Suns, if they get, I think that they are the most primed to get to the finals. But what have you seen from Dallas? What have you seen from them going in uh, these next two games? Because I, I think the last show we pretty much thought that this was going to be a sweep, man. Five games tops. What have you seen from Dallas? Yeah, Dal- Dallas. It's hard. It's hard to tell you what I see from Dallas. I mean, Luca's a problem. I mean, he he he's he's a miss. He's a matchup nightmare. Um, but they've got this. They've got this spread floor full of shooters, and when they're making shots. You know, it's hard to catch up to a ball. You saw it with Boston tonight too, right? Like when when one person would beat their man downhill and then the ball gets moving, right? And when Dallas does this, they're equally as hard to guard. So Milwaukee or Phoenix, as it would pertain to the Dallas series, is just running, trying to close out to the next guy that's about to shoot the shot. And then you just lift him up with the quick ball fake. You know, you go by him, you collapse the D again, and you swing it again. And so the ball can move faster than players move. And it's all you need is the one guy that someone can't guard to break down the defense to start it and initiate it. And now the ball's moving. And if you can keep the ball moving until you find a three-point shooter and you're a good enough three-point shooting team, like Dallas made, I mean, I, I, what did they make, 24 threes in the last game? Like, you're, you're going to beat people. I don't give a damn who mm-hmm. who you play. Um, so, you know, if they that's what they're doing right now. They're moving the hell out of the ball. They're they're defending capably. Lucas still has his moments where I think he should move it more, but when they're moving it, they're they're and making shots, you know, that they catch you in that in that, that kind of blender. Let's go to predictions. I'm gonna pick the Suns. Who you got? That's, game five. Suns. 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 Okay. Let's go to a little segment we like to call Real One of the Week. Mm. We pre- uh, we shot at a person, organization, or entity that won the week. You want to go first? I go. I mean, I got mine. I know. I don't know. You know it's, who you got? 
Yeah, I'm gonna give a shout. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a shout out real one of the week to Nikola Jokic, man. Forty first pick in the was he the forty first pick in the draft? I believe. Just you know, doesn't look like the prototypical two time MVP in terms of you know build and athleticism and all of that. But he's a cold blooded dude. And while I don't think, uh, and while I think Joel Embiid probably deserved my vote, I didn't have one. Congratulations to Nikola Jokic and real one for the season he had and for back-to-back MVPs. That's a rare air, bro. Good for you. Congratulations. Word. I'm going to go um, out of sport, but still, you know, in the workout sphere. I'm going to go with Hannah Frankson from, uh, from uh, Peloton because, you know, Raja, I don't know if you know this, but I've just been a just a sad excuse for a person when it comes to working out over the last few months. I'm trying to get back on my shit. Okay. And um, Hannah kicked my ass today. I'm just going to flat out say it. She did it. I did the Usher ride. It was actually jamming. It was, it was, it was jamming. Oh. You got you to gotta lock in. It was, oh, okay. it was popping. <laughs> the Usher ride. And um, yeah, I was, I was tired. I was done. I was done after that. It was, it was, it was, that was this morning and I was, I was laid out on the floor <laughs> and, um, but you know, shout out to Hannah. She always comes with, she's the type of uh, trainer that will give you confidence through compliments, but while also kicking your ass. Yeah. I don't know if you, you don't, you know, one of those instructors that's sure. like, no, you can do it. You can totally do it. Now I'm just going to push your whole body to the brink, but you yeah. can do it. I always appreciate the, the, um, the upbeat, positive, I'll kick your ass, coach. Yes. So um, shout out to Hannah. Um, shout out to the Usher uh, run on Peloton. Uh, I'm going to make that my real one of the week. And um, yeah, man, that's our, uh, that's our little Monday show. Real ones after dark, baby. Catch us every Monday night during the postseason. Roger going to have that yak. Ra ra, you, you got that yak? You going to have that yak? No, I'm out now. I'm out about to hit the bed, but I'm, I will have it next week. You going to have that yak? Yes, I will. What you know about that yak? Spill that shit on my $100 suit. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you got a t-shirt on, too. <laughs> you got a suit on. It is 1.30 in the morning. Relax. Thank you. Hey. On, <laughs> hey, man. All right, we got to go, man. Uh, Roger got some kids to wake up in the morning. Got a wake-up call. What time to wake-up call in the morning? 6.30, baby. We're talking about five hours. Let's get it. Wait, hold on. You thought we was going to leave before paying the bills? You nah, must no, have no, been no, no, tripping. No, no, no. Come on, baby. All right, man. You catch us every Monday nights. But in the meantime, in between time, on that heme time, <laughs> make sure you check out um, all the shows on the Ringer Slate. It's the answer. That is group chat. That is Weekends with Waz. That is a mismatch. That is a void. Fall the void! With KLC. And then uh, make sure you check out, you know, a little Show like we like to call Black Girl Songbook with who? Roger Bell. Ooh, town legend, Miss Danielle Smith. She was in the bay this weekend doing a book sign. I got my book signed, Roger. Hey. Um, and we're going to keep the propaganda going because you knew we would. Make sure you also check out R2C2 with who? Roger Bell. The Crestside Clown, Vallejo legend, C.C. Sabathia. See y'all in a week. We're going to have that what? We're going to have that brown after dark. Holler.